0: Says, says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security but sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Can I just tell you for a moment, there's a lot of people that don't have peace in this world. In fact, the longer that I'm alive and the longer that I rub shoulders with with people from all walks of life, the more I am thankful that I can sing this song and it not just be a song I sing, but it can be a song I believe in. It's well with my soul. The antithesis of that is there's a lot that would have to sing. It's not well with my soul. It's not well. It's not well. Because we live in a day in which you're either going to have peace or no peace can be seated for just a moment cuz it's going to take me a minute to take off. This last week we experienced the loss of my my mother-in-law's mother, my wife's grandmother and as I begin to prepare the 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 funeral message it 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 that that word just kept rolling over my head, peace. So for those of you who are here at the funeral message, you might hear snippets out of that. It's because as I mentioned, it's real hard for a preacher to hear uh, to see a verse and just kind of stick on one verse. You you find that verse leads to another, and that verse leads to another, and then you begin to realize the scope of what you find in the Bible as it concerns to the fact that God is a God of peace. And so I'm gonna do my best today to preach a two-part message. This morning I want to talk about the peace that we ought to have with God. And tonight, I want to talk about the peace that we ought to have with ourselves and we ought to have with those around us. And I'm convinced that they're, they're intertwined. You cannot have one without the other. In fact, I would almost dare say that you will either have all three or none at all. And it starts with the peace of God. And, and I, I use this illustration uh, yesterday at the memorial service and it's like when you begin to pull a, a thread of something and maybe you've, you've seen a, a thread at the bottom of your pants at the hem and you, you, you pull it and then you realize it was connected and pretty soon you have no hem because you kept pulling it or you get one of them sweaters and especially if you get one of them knitted sweaters you can pull it and, and it's almost like the cartoon the more you pull the shorter the sweater gets you begin to pull on the thread of the Word of God, not that it gets any shorter, I don't mean that at all, but it keeps showing you exactly and how deep and how intertwined and woven in the Word of God speaks about peace. If I could, could I guess maybe start with an a illustration, and that is, I want you to think about Peter's life. I'm going to start this sermon and tonight's sermon with the story of Peter because you you find there in in Matthew chapter 26 although it's recorded in the other gospels as well but in Matthew 26 you find that Jesus commands his disciples and they go, they are directed and they prepare the Passover as Jesus is reclining around the table and and the, the disciples they didn't catch everything that Jesus put before them they were slow on the uptake a lot of times Perhaps they had done Passover before. Maybe this was not necessarily an uncommon thing together with Jesus and to spend Passover. They would have probably had at least two other years that they could have done that and they're there and, and Jesus begins to speak very cryptically. The one in whose hand is holding the bread and dipping it in the, what the Bible says the sop. That, that's you know, for, for if, if you will, that's kind of like the olive oil they put at some of the, the Italian restaurants. You know, they put a little bowl of olive oil and you put some cracked pepper in it, some parmesan, you dip that good bread they, they give you. And, uh, oh, it, it's phenomenal. You got to do that. So he's, he's, he says, the one who's, who's dipping his bread in the sop is going to den- betray me. Well, that's pretty easy. You look to see who's holding the bread in the sop. Judas's hand is there. Judas drops the bread and he runs out. He, you you know, the rest of that story. But it it don't stop there. He, he, he talks about the, 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 the the communion, the blood of the covenant, and all that. And then he says, "But uh, I tell you," uh, uh, or, or he says, "Um." Uh, Jesus said in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 26 You'll all fall away because of me of this night For it is written I will strike the shepherd And the sheep of the flock will be scattered But after I am raised up I will go before you to Galilee And Peter, oh impetuous Peter Impossible I will never deny you I will never walk away I will never fall away I, I don't care if everybody leaves you behind Jesus I'll be the only one right there Jesus looks at Peter and says Yeah, before this night is over That rooster going to crow Most likely meaning in the morning You know, when that rooster would normally crow And you'll have denied me three times And Peter says I would die with you And for you before I would deny you So Jesus brings them out to the Garden of Gethsemane He brings those three that were closest to him If you will Peter, James, and John And he walks a little further Than the other disciples And he says to Peter, James, and John Would you pray with me a little more? Let's, 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 there's something happening in the spirit world Pray with me And Peter, you know, the one that said I would die for you, I will go for you I will stand with you He's snoozing, snoring He can't even pray with Jesus one hour But he thinks he's going to die with Jesus Kind of like those that says I'm never going to forsake Jesus If you can't come to church It's kind of hard to say I'll never forsake him And Judas comes with the temple guards. The kiss is planted. Jesus is taken. The disciples scattered. John is the only one walking lockstep with those. He, he, He follows Jesus and that mob wherever they go. Peter follows, but it's at a distance. He's standing there outside of the temple He's standing outside of everything taking place He's in the courtyard A servant girl comes and says Hey, you were with Jesus the Galilean But he denied it all Saying I don't know what you mean He went, to, he went out of the entrance Another girl saw him and said This man was with Jesus of Nazareth And he denied it with an oath If you will, I swear I don't know him a while later some bystanders came up and said Peter certainly you're one of them your accent betrays you and he begins to invoke a curse upon himself and swear I do not know the man maybe he said something like this may God strike me dead if I know him and all of a sudden the rooster crows in verse 75 of the passage says that Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows you will deny me three times and he went out and he wept bitterly. Don't you remember that? He wept bitterly. Have you ever noticed that stressful situations tend to bring out the worst in people? Mm -hmm. Even my own self get me in some stressful situations and I, I can become curt, I can become snippy and So if you will, could I pick you up out of O'Fallon, Missouri and could I transport you to that place and time right there and, and can we not read more into the Bible than is there but put the emotions back into the printed page and understand that Jesus for, for, for a while he, he keeps being drugged to different uh, tribunals and different courtrooms and all of this is happening, John is walking with him, Peter is is on the outskirts and he is denying and the rest of the disciples, we don't know exactly where they were but it, it's... it's I think their absence is significant they're not around Jesus is hung on that cross and he dies I promise you that all of the disciples they saw it it may have been from a long way it may have been from, from hidden vantage points but they saw their master die the stress of Jesus' death and the scattering of the disciples had to have been pretty intense but there's three elements That last night, even after I I kind of preached a a memorial service on the peace of God and what that peace meant, God began to cause my mind to run down. And I began to realize that the story of Peter shows those three elements so perfectly. And watch this. Peter was at odds with God. I know, I know. Listen, I know that Jesus said you're going to do it. I realize it's part of a, a grand plan and the grand scheme. I, I realize that even Judas was foretold to be the one that plants that traitorous kiss. I know it's all part of the master plan. But you cannot escape and you cannot overlook the fact that Peter's denial of Jesus and that swearing and that cursing put him at odds with God. If I could just simply say Peter sinned and sin separates us from God. There was, yeah, I mean, if ever there was a gulf between Peter and God, it existed then. Peter was at odds with himself. You ever done something wrong and you regret it? maybe I don't need you to raise your hand but have you ever said I'm not going to do this I refuse to fall into this lust I refuse to fall into this temptation I'm not going to do it I know it's coming I know the path I'm about to walk down I'm not going to do it and then later on the rooster crows and you say ah I did what I said I wasn't going to do and that guilt and that shame and that condemnation and you're at odds with yourself and you don't even like yourself maybe you've used a phrase like this I hate myself For what I've done, for who I am, for what I've become Peter was at odds with himself But can you imagine What the disciples were saying about Peter This is the element that I had never thought about Brother Miller I've never, you know, in in the story of Jesus' crucifixion It's easy to see how he, he responded to John You know, Jesus to John It's easy to see Jesus to Peter But I'd never thought about those other disciples You've got to think that in the back of their mind, and I know they stayed together because you see them together later on, but I know human beings. I've been around human beings my whole life. And and, and I know how we are. We can look at each other in the face and smile and wave, and then you walk away and we talk about you. I, I said that because if I said you talk about me, that would be, you know, I'd be stepping on some toes. Can you believe Peter? Peter is the dumbest, stupidest, ignorantest person we've ever met. I don't know why Jesus likes Peter. He he thinks Peter's so great because he said, surely you're the son of God. And he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And then like three words later, Peter's being dumb and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, Peter don't get it. Peter thought he was going to be so big, bad, and bold. He's going to walk with God. He was going to outshine us all. But man, I saw him on that outskirts. He was cussing and cursing and hating God and hating Jesus. And and I heard that rooster crow. And and I can't believe he's even done that. I I thought you said you were going to die for him, Peter, but you didn't. And Peter was not only at odds with God. He was not only at odds with himself, but he was at odds with those around him. Now, you got to understand this is a two-part sermon. You have to understand that you, you got to come back tonight. I, you, You're not going to get the whole message if you're not here tonight because tonight I'm going to tell you about how the Lord wants to repair the relationship that you have with yourself and the relationship you have with others, and we'll do it through Peter's life. But I've got to take today and tell you the first thing you've got to allow to happen is for God to get that relationship with he and you back together. He doesn't want you to be at odds with him. He doesn't want that relationship to be strained. How do I know that? Because I've got verses upon verses upon verses that I could use. But just so you kind of get where I'm going, because I don't want to talk about Peter anymore, but just so you get to where I'm going, I find it absolutely incredible. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 7, when the Marys came to the tomb, there was an angel standing there, and he looked at them, and he said, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. But he has risen. He is not here. See the place where we laid him? But go. Tell his disciples and... Peter, why did he? Why did Jesus specify Peter? The beauty is, and I promise I'm right about this the, 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 it would have said, go tell Peter and Judas, but Judas had already hung himself. Judas didn't give God a chance to fix. Relationship. Judas didn't give himself a chance to walk into a place I'm going to talk about here in just a moment. Judas didn't give himself a chance to walk into the presence of God and realize that God is not a God of destruction, but God is a God of peace that desires to fix the relationship between humanity and man and bridge that chasm that exists. But he said instead, Go tell the disciples and Peter the reason why is because Jesus wanted Peter to know, I know what you've done. I understand what's happened. But everything's going to be all right. I just fixed the bridge. Can I tell you today that all the way from Genesis chapter 3 when it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head and you'll bruise his heel. There's a lot that's accompanied in that. The word enmity means this. It, it, It means hostility, animosity, rancor between two parties. And so creation was created in perfection but sin came through that temptation and lust, and you, you can read how it all, you know, it all plays out, and because of that, every relationship that man is ever gonna have is tainted by the animosity, it's tainted by the rancor, and there is this, this gap. Don't you know Eve got mad at Adam a time or two, every time she had to give birth and it hurt? Not being dumb, I'm just explaining how the, the, the things went. Don't you think Adam got mad at Eve every time he had to sweat and plant a crop and then it droughted and the crop didn't sprout and, and, and he got to, 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 to move there. Don't you know that, that, that the relationship of God and man was forever tainted? The Bible says in Romans 8:7, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. James said, don't you know, you adulterous people, that friendship with the world is enmity, it's hostility, it's animosity with God. He, he, he was talking about the, the things that go there and, and, and how our lives, if we're not careful and we walk after the course of our own understanding and we lean to our own desires and we let our flesh rule us, it's always going to be in conflict with heaven. But I'm so thankful. We're uh, two months in... Four days till Christmas. A couple days ago, I submitted my Christmas list to my mama. I didn't even tell them what Zane and Zoe and Zeke want yet. I just want to make sure she's got mine first. But aren't you glad that one of the verses we use for Christmas? But it's really a verse that needs to be used 365 days of the year that says while we can't get to where God is, while our animosity and hostility and enmity, it's, it's our fault. I mean, you, you can't always blame the devil for your sin. you got to take ownership of it. But I'm so glad that it said, For unto us a child is going to be born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. You'll call his name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. What I'm trying to tell somebody is the way that you and God have been at odds and the way that you and yourself have been at odds and the way that you and your, in your relationships with others, you're at odds. But God says, I've come to give you peace with me, give you peace to yourself, and give you peace with others. It's why Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That mind can can begin to be quieted. You know, a the the let me let me put into perspective what it means to not have peace so you understand. You have to realize that the life that you and I live is is typified by war. We war against ourselves. We war with the flesh. We war with the things of this world. We war with the devil. There is a battle that takes place. And the only way you can have peace in a war is for there to be a victor there to be a loser. We're, we're, we're scanning the newspapers and all of the news outlets right now because we're at the precipice of something that I didn't think would ever happen. And that is there's one war. Now, maybe there's others that I'm not thinking about, but there's one war that just jumps out that's never ended, the Korean War. All the other wars, you had somebody that gave up. They signed a peace treaty. Please stop. We don't have anybody to fight anymore. You, you've bombed our cities. You've, you've destroyed our factories. We, we can't do it. And there was one party that had to surrender. And there was one party that said, I'm the victor. What's incredible is that if you look in the history of, of wars, it's amazing how there can be reconciliation between the one that surrendered and the victor. It's said that, that Ulysses S. Grant and, and, and Robert E. Lee, now there's a lot of backstory. In fact, I wrote a paper in my school about that. It, 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 there's some incredible things that happened that, that actually Ulysses S. Grant was, was taught by Robert E. Lee at the Virginia Military Institute I believe it was that one and, and then later on it's Robert E. Lee that hands I mean it's, it's Grant that hands Lee the pen and Lee has to surrender to his student but it was said that after the war Robert E. Lee's widow and Ulysses S. Grant's widow moved right next to each other and they live their life in reconciliation. It's amazing, no matter World War I, World War II happened, but, but you, even though maybe you, you talk about it here and there, but look at the reconciliation between the parties involved, Germany and Japan and United States and Britain, there's a reconciliation, but you don't have reconciliation if there's no peace. That's why you go to North and South Korea, there's a line of demarcation right now. Just last year, I think it was, somebody from North Korea got into a truck, drove as fast as he could trying to get to Korea, uh, to, get to South Korea, and North Korea was firing and shooting and trying to kill him because they didn't want him to get over there. And it's a line. It's got mines in it. It's got barbed wire. It's because they have decided we're not going to be at peace. We're just going to quit fighting. Sometimes in our lives with us and God, The reason you don't have peace is because maybe you're not actively fighting with God, but you never surrendered. You just kind of put up a line of demarcation and this is what you said. Lord, you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side and the two we don't have to meet. Now we may be seeing an end to that we may be seeing a way that North and South Korea can finally have peace but, but I just want to talk to you for a moment the guilt and the shame and the anguish that exists in humanity can you imagine the horror of Esau as he do realized that he had sold his birthright for a bowl of soup and then he lost his blessing when his brother stole it from him and the Bible records his howl of anguish When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, even me also, my father. Esau lived with the knowledge that he sold his promise for a bowl of soup. But Hebrews tells us the end of Esau's story. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 17 says how you know afterwards that he, Esau, would have inherited the blessing but he was rejected for he found no place of repentance though he sought carefully for it with tears. I want you listen to me very closely. Esau wept, Esau cried but he never found repentance because Esau never surrendered. He wept. He cried. He agonized. He didn't have peace with God. He didn't have peace with himself. Could fast forward to the Passion Week. We've already talked about Judas. You understand how it goes. And maybe we don't know it, but I can only imagine. I mean, I mean you, you, the Bible does record that, that Judas had a moment where he, he realized what he did wasn't right. He tries to pay back that money he got, those 30 pieces of silver. And, and the, the, the priests, they wouldn't even hardly accept it. They bought a place, they call it Potter's Field. But I, I can only imagine the agony of, Peter, of Judas, rather. remorse is raining down on him. He weeps bitterly. Maybe all through the night he weeps and cries. But he cannot find a place of repentance. He can't get past the weeping. He can't get past the gulf of God and him. He can't get past what he's done. And he greets the dawn of a new day, swinging at the end of a rope. The Bible says weeping endures for a night. It's a shame that's as far as he got. It's, it's horrid that the guilt and the shame of his sin ate Judas like a cancer until he hung himself weeping for a night. Tonight, I'm, or rather today, I've just lived long enough around people. There's a lot who can't get past the weeping. You can't get past the fact that you and God are at odds. You can't get past the the guilt. You can't get past the shame. And and there's this hiding that takes place like God calling unto Adam and Adam is hiding in the garden because of the shame. It's Ezra in chapter 9 that says, oh my God, I'm ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to thee. My iniquities are increased over our head. Our trespass has grown up into heaven shame because you and God are at odds there's no peace oh I I know you've heard things like if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. I, I know you've read Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I know you've read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9-11 through where it talks about all the people who aren't going to heaven. Then he says, such were some of you, but you were washed. And you hear them and you know them, but you cannot reconcile that to your own life. How can you forget your sin? Every morning you wake up, your sin is a reminder. There, how does it? How can you forget? It seems like like the Christmas carol is being played out over and over. The ghosts of sins past haunt you with the clanking of chains of guilt and shame and eerie groans. You're bound by condemnation, and you would give anything to be free from the bondage. And you weep, but you are at odds with God. You find no peace. But the only way. That you will ever get past the weeping. It's not to follow the path of Esau. It's not to follow the path of Judas. But you got to follow the path of Peter who learned a valuable lesson in his life. That when my own situations and my own sin get me at odds with God and get me at odds with myself and get me at odds with those around me, I can find peace. He went out, the Bible says, Matthew 26, 75, he remembered the words of Jesus, that condemnation came when the word was there, and he wept bitterly. Now listen to me very carefully because this is so important. You better learn to weep. The Bible says if you don't weep now, you'll weep at the end. The Bible says if you laugh now, you'll weep at the end. But if you learn to weep now, there'll be a joy that comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. But I, I, so, so, I hope you understand. I'm not telling you don't weep. I'm not telling you don't, don't feel the anguish. I'm not telling you to not feel the shame. But what I want you to understand is feel the agony of your conscience when you fail God. Let the agony of that, that separation eat at you for. For a moment it's okay to weep for your sins but learn to get past the weeping Judas never got to the place of forgiveness he died before it happened but if he'd have waited just a few days if he'd have given God a chance to meet him face to face maybe it was his name that would have been added to Peter's name spoken by the angel weeping andor for a night Joy comes in the morning. Here's the difference between Judas and Peter. Judas had remorse for his sin. Judas said, I hate myself for sinning. But Judas never found repentance. Peter, on the other hand, had remorse. He had condemnation, guilt, shame, all of that. But he found a place of repentance. And I'm here today to tell you that the best way that you can ever find peace with God is you've got to surrender. Oh, none of us like to surrender. None of us like to say we've, we've lost. None of us like to concede anything. But you've got to remember it's a war. The Bible says our flesh and God, it's an enmity against each other. You could, you could almost use the word enemy if you wanted to. There's hostility. There's, there, there's a fight going on. Our flesh and God's holiness are constantly fighting. But when you surrender, you can have peace. There's a peace treaty. Oh, it's signed by blood. But it'll give you peace. For Proverbs 1.23 says this, Turn away at my reproof, and behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. Jeremiah said in chapter 7, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, repent, turn away, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Amos said it this way, Seek me, the Lord said, Seek me, and you'll live. Seek the Lord and you shall live. It was Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. It was John the Baptist coming saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's Second Chronicles chapter 7. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. See, we preach a lot about baptism in Jesus' name and it is essential. We preach a lot about the infilling of the Holy Ghost and how do you know you're filled with the Holy Ghost? The Bible says the first time His Spirit dwells in you, you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Sometimes we overlook that step of repentance. Baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, those can, those can come before each other or after each other. And we have biblical precedent of that. Some people got baptized and then got the Holy Ghost. Others got the Holy Ghost and then got baptized. But you cannot do any of those if you first don't repent because repenting is the surrendering. And you can't have peace until you surrender. So many people stop right here. I, I know, and, and, and this is what I'm, I'm trying to get to you today repentance, there, there's two elements of repentance, there's a, a physical element, but there's a spiritual element, and too many people only get the, the physical element, it's a, uh, repentance is a verbal commitment, it's an apology to God, you ever had anybody in your life, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't tell me, but you ever, anybody in your life that, that weeped in apology, but nothing ever changed? Again, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I'll give you a good example. You got any, any, any connection with anybody that's a drunk? That's, that's, that's wasted their life by the, the addiction of alcoholism and, and they've hurt you and they've hurt your family or maybe even drug addiction, they've hurt you, they've hurt your family, they stole from you and there's those moments of clarity where they weep and they cry, they feel bad about what they're doing, but nothing ever changes. We're like that with God sometimes. We sin and we cry and we blubber and we feel bad about it and we're worried about it and we weep over the apology, but you never surrender and walk away from the sin and that's what's killing you. You apologize on Sunday night and you are sorry for your sin, but you know good and well that if that temptation ever hits again, you're probably going to fall again. And so you weep and remorse but there's still guilt and there's still shame because you never truly repented. So I want to tell you today what true repentance is. True repentance is when you express sorrow and remorse for your sins. You weep for failing God. You weep for the things that you've done. You desire that you and God would be at peace but then you make up your mind that as far as I can do it on my own I'm going to turn away some of it It means you're not going to get on the internet when you get home. It means you're not going to go with the person that's there that you keep hanging with. It means sometimes you got to leave the cigarettes here and throw out the alcohol. It means making up your mind. I'm not going to sin. And you begin to learn to live past the weeping. Because when you begin to surrender, Romans 8, 1 takes on a whole new meaning. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. That's the freedom I'm trying to talk about. That's the peace that you can go to bed at night and not have to relive that sin in your mind. You go from, from, from the fact that I don't have to just weep from, in remorse but I don't have to walk that way anymore because Jesus and his spirit is there. Me tell you what happens in true repentance and true forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 10 whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness unto us after that he said it before this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days saith the Lord I will put my law into their hearts and into my minds will I write them but pay a close attention and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more now where the remission of these is there's no more offering of sin therefore having brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus oh somebody listen to me right now there is a moment where if you don't repent if you don't get past the weeping then the blood never has a chance to cover the sin so you go to bed at night and you I don't know if you're like this and really the the, the sociologists and the the psychologists tell us it's because of this of all of the screens we watch our phones and our tablets and TV and computer screens But, but have you ever noticed when you go to night and you close your eyes you've got flickers of light now, I'm going to blow your mind. If you're like me, and, and I, I never grew up with a TV, all right? We, it, it, my, it was a, a choice my parents made, and I've made the same choice in our home. We just don't have a TV per se. and So I, I never really grew up with clicking the remote. I've met people that could click the remote for three hours, and, I mean, they know it's the same channels. Nothing's changing, but they just. So I don't do that, but I do it on my phone. You scroll Facebook. And I've noticed that when I go to bed at night, if I was watching, you know, looking at Facebook before, when I close my eyes, the the flickers in the darkness of my eyelids correspond with how fast I was. But but there's a lot of neurology that's behind what I'm saying. But sometimes when you go to bed at night, close your eyes, that devil begins to play all of your failures. And they play over and over and over, and there's no peace. And there's no comfort and you're playing it's because you never learned to get past the weeping but Jesus said I'm telling you right now if you'll learn to repent and if you'll learn to turn away and if you'll let the blood of Jesus cover you I will remember your sins no more I want you to listen to me very carefully this is about as theological as I can possibly get God will not remember your sins but but we will God does not give you spiritual amnesia. I've lived for 39 years and I could could go back to some of the sins in my life and I could replay them word for word. But here's the difference. I don't have guilt and shame of those sins anymore. I may remember the act. I may remember the moment. But I can stand here today and tell you I don't have to wake up in the middle of the night worried because I know what it is to repent. I know what it is to go down in the waters of baptism. My sins have been forgiven Revelations chapter 1 says this, and from Jesus who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Did you catch that? listen, 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 he did not say he washed your sins he said he washed us from our sins from the guilt and from the shame, Micah said it this way who is God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage he retaineth not his anger forever and he delights in mercy and he will turn again and have compassion upon us and he will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea have you ever heard people's I think we even have some songs that talk about our sins in the depths of the sea have you ever heard that phrase before he casts our sins in the depths of the sea I'll tell you why that's so important because Job says this of the Lord Job 9.8 says he alone spreadeth out the heavens and he treadeth upon the waves of the sea that's Old Testament can I give you New Testament? Matthew chapter 14. The ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves and the wind was contrary, but on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Can I give somebody a mental picture for a moment? The sins that God forgave you, he cast into the sea, and every time they want to raise their ugly head up, he's walking right there saying, "Nope, stay down." Nope, stay down. You know the game whack-a-mole? Jesus got a whack of sin. And he says, I'm not going to let it raise itself up. They repented. They got peace with God. And I'm not going to let any sin and any condemnation give them something other than the peace that passeth all understanding. I've come to tell you tonight that you have the power to walk on that same seed. either believe the word or not. Because not only did Jesus walk on the sea, but he called Peter. He said, come out to me. Can I tell you today that God wants to give you some freedom to walk on the seas that your sins were buried in and he wants to give you the privilege of saying you have dominion over your sin-filled life. You have victory over shame and guilt. You can live a victorious life. There's an old song. I think it's page 62, it says I know I'm saved. I feel no condemnation upon my soul today. No more am I by sin enslaved. I'm walking now with Jesus along the narrow way. So happy for to know I'm saved. There's two parts to knowing that you're saved. The first is faith, I know I'm saved. Romans 10 says by faith or faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me tell you about your current status with Christ. Every song you hear about grace, every message you hear about the blood of the lamb, every sermon you hear about justification, every time someone sings about the blood of the lamb, every time someone talks about the death on the cross, every time somebody preaches the gospel, you need to just remember, hey, I repented of my sins. I was washed in the baptism in the blood of Jesus. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I know I'm saved I know I'm saved there's a a horrible false doctrine that permeates this place not, not, not the lighthouse but permeates the, the world we live in and that is too many people try to say we can't ever know we can't know God we can't know these things And so they, but the Bible says you should know and make your calling and your election sure I have peace with God. You ever been in odds with somebody and it's hard to sleep and it's hard to see them and you, you know you you. okay y'all don't do this I do. Every once in a while I've hold, held a grudge. And invariably when I hold a grudge but Joey guess who I have to see Walmart or wherever I'm at. The person I hold a grudge. So you walk away I guess I don't need to go to Walmart today. go to family reunions. and We'll talk about that tonight. You're at odds. You come to church because you know you're supposed to come to church, but you can't lift your hands and you can't worship. Why? Because you're at odds with God. God says He wants to give you peace. The only way God can give me peace is for me to be able to walk into His presence and not have to walk like this bowed with guilt and shame but I can come boldly into the throne room of God why? not because of works of righteousness that I have done but because of the justification and the sanctification of God he saved me and I can tell you today I know I'm saved I wonder if we could stand today I'm here to preach today that God wants to give you peace. No longer does that war need to exist between you and God. But instead, you need to be able to say, I know I'm saved. I wonder if you could lift your hands right now. I've preached the only way I know how. I preach the passion and the word of God. I know God's word is powerful, but I can't make you do anything. I can't, I can't drill it into your head. I preach it. You've got to receive it. You gotta, you, you've got to take hold of it. And you've got to be a doer of the word. I don't really God didn't show me anybody today. I didn't prepare this sermon with your picture in front of me. I didn't go peruse anybody's Facebook page and say, oh, I got my, my Andy sermon. I've joked around and told people that. I said, you come to church tonight, I got, I got my Andy sermon. But I didn't have anybody in mind tonight, so I don't know who it is that you wrestle with that peace with God. But I know you're here. And I want to tell you that God, he, I, want you to look at, I want you to look at Peter's life. I mean, Peter messed up big time. But he said, go tell the disciples and Peter and I feel like God is saying the same thing today, go tell this congregation but then he, he puts your name behind it go tell them too I want to meet with them now here's the thing, he said in the word, he said, uh, go tell the disciples and Peter I'm going before them to Galilee remember that in the Bible so Mary's they went to because there was about three or four of them but they went and found Peter. Hey, Peter, Jesus is alive and well. And he said he wants to meet you at Galilee. Peter could have said, can't do it. There's no way I can go see Jesus after all the things that I've done. And he could have jumped on a ship and gone like Jonah did. But instead what I find is Peter was with his people. they were there in the room when Jesus stepped through that wall. He didn't even go through the door. He stepped through the wall. And maybe it's my own romantic, and I don't mean lovey-dovey, I'm talking about just, you know, my my own kind of, here's how it should have been. We know that he showed Thomas his nail printed hands. But I wonder if Jesus walked right up to Peter and said, Peter, I love And I died for you. I know what you did. But I know what you're going to do on the day of Pentecost. But Peter would have never received it if he didn't put himself in Galilee where Jesus was. And I'm here today to tell you I preach what Jesus wants to do. But you'll never get there unless you meet Jesus where he is. And a perfect place to meet him is right here, as this praise team behind me begins to sing, I'm going to open altars. I'm going to hallow this entire place as an altar area, whether you're at your pew or whether you come, whether you kneel or whether you stand. If you'll meet God, He's going to tell you we're at peace. Everything's okay. I know what you've done, but I've forgiven you because you've learned to repent and you've let the blood of Jesus wash you away, I wonder if you and Jesus would have a talk right now. I wonder if you'd begin to pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, as they say.